Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennium Money Express. Vince Gully from Live Show, but he's a friend of the podcast. He's often in the studio, so we sit down and do a few Express episodes, and yeah, he's kicking around. And I okay. just love tripping to the coast. He loves driving up to the sunny coast. Now, Vince, a bit of a learning expedition for me, if you will. Uh, you can I, teach an old dog new tricks? Well, trying, trying. As a rule of thumb, in my investing life uh, across all my equities. So, super, investment bond, trust. I don't ever have more than 10% of my total investment pool in individual stocks for a variety of reasons. Uh, But the main one is the eggs in the one basket. Mm -hmm. If I put all my eggs in one basket, it does good that time. I think I'm a genius Next time I do the same thing and I lose everything. Mm -hmm. So, for me, I've decided no more than 10% in individual stocks and it's a risk play as well Mm -hmm. and it helps my personality Mm -hmm. not to be become a gambler or a trader because, you know, there's there's some... I know a lot of you have little apps and some listeners have sports bets and all that. So, I just... I'm an investor. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about... I think if you do want to have a bet, sports bet might be better than trading on the market well just as fun <laughs> i i put some money in an ipo recently and an, an initial public offering yeah so actually, what is that vince that's when a company first comes on the market so they it allows a private company which is owned by a handful of people to be traded publicly on the market which does a few things one it allows them to rate access more money Two, it provides liquidity so you can buy and sell. And three, it helps with future growth. And so the first time they come on, often they're priced at a very sharp price so that there's some upside for those to participate in the float. So many times the day it comes on the market, it will trade higher than the subscription price and a Good float or IPO is one where there's a little bit left on the table, but not too much. Um, The downside of doing that is the bad ones trade below the issue price. And if you're doing this regularly, generally you get a bigger allocation in one that will trade below its price than one that's successful because the good ones get highly subscribed and they'll cut you back, whereas the bad ones, you get more of them. Yes. So it's actually a very difficult game to win consistently. And I guess it's important to know for people understanding share prices, a share price basically is, it factors in the future growth of a company because I'm buying into this company 
because it has got a future and I can get in now. And that's why a lot of the times when the stock market tanks before some type of event, the economists say, well, the market's already factored that in. So, for predictable events, maybe even an election, the market may have already factored in. It will. So, but I wanted to chat. I And I I don't have um, many individual shares. Mm -hmm. So, I went in on this IPO and I won't talk how much money I put in because that's irrelevant. Um, It's a bit rude anyway. It's a bit rude. But as at the time now, it's been just over a week and the price has increased 384%. 384% Almost in a week. Almost four times what you I put in. You are obviously an investing legend. Vince, I'm a professional. What can I say? I, you know, I can see a stock. The sage of Battle Bay. Yeah, I, I can see a stock and I put my money in and it, four times my money. So, if I put $2,000 in, I've got eight grand. So, so, just do it every day. So, yeah. So, what I did in my wisdom the older I get, the less I want to be greedy and think mm-hmm. that I'm good at investing because we can't live in the what ifs or if onlys mm-hmm. with our life. We have to take each day as it comes. So, what I decided to do was take my own capital back out, take a little bit of profit out, and then I put that in a diversified ETF. So, at least I've got my capital out and a little bit of profit mm-hmm. And I do have some money left in that IPO. And I guess the crux of what I want to talk today about, Vince, is whether it was in the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell or something else I was watching, they had this segment on uh, who wants to be patronised by a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's the Australian one. Um, (laughs) Who wants to be a millionaire? Is Eddie a millionaire? Uh, Maybe, yeah. (laughs) And he's not being a sad sack or whatever. In America, they had the most smart guy or something in America, the smartest guy in America. He went on the show and he pulled out at I think 500 grand Mm -hmm. and there was three questions to go and he was just eating the questions. Yep, yep, yep. But he was the smartest guy. So, there was a very, very high chance that he would get to the mill. But he was smart enough to know I walked in with nothing, Mm -hmm. 500 grand, a lot of money there is still a small percentage that there could be a question I won't know. So, he took his money. So, if they showed him the last three questions, he could have got them all right Mm. or he might not have. So, we don't, we can't read the future. So, I took that as a, this is a small percentage of my wealth. I I don't want to be greedy. I've done well. So, I want to talk today, Vince, about the investing mindset of an investor and the dangers of thinking we're better than what we are. So, the question or the your question you need to answer at that point is, assuming you had a rationale for buying the thing in the first place other than it was there and you had the opportunity to do it. I know someone who works <laughs> and it wasn't like insider <laughs> trading. Um, I've just been following it. But assuming that you had a rationale for making the decision in the first place and you had a view on what it might be worth, so you said at at 10 cents or whatever the number was, I think this is a buy. If 10 cents becomes 40 cents, you need to ask yourself, is the reason why I bought it still true? 
and would I buy it at 40 cents? If the answer to that question is no, then you shouldn't be invested in it. And that's different to a trading mentality. A trading mentality would say that you run your gains and cut your losses because trading is a numbers game. It's smash and grab. It's about saying, if I'm right 60% of the time and I manage my downsides, I will win. And it's about making sure that you do enough trades that you're right 60% of the time and the ones you lose, lose you less than the ones you win. And in those circumstances, you cut your losses fast and you run your gains. As an investor, though, you're saying, I've got a rationale as to why I bought this stock. I think that company X is worth 40 cents. So if I can buy it for less than 40 cents, I'll buy it. If it gets to 40 cents, do I know something now that I didn't know then that tells me actually it's worth 45 cents? Then I should sell. Oh, sorry. If, if I don't know that, I should sell. If I do know that, I should hold. Mm. So you've got... You've got to keep asking yourself these questions as an investor. And part of that is how the human brain works, that we suffer pain of loss greater than we enjoy the pleasure of gain. So a losing something you've got is worse than not having it in the first place. And a loss causes twice as much pain as the equivalent gain gives you. Well, I think it's that limiting your regret. Yeah. I mean, if that guy kept going mm-hmm. on who wants to be a millionaire and got to the last question of a million dollars and didn't know the answer, he's theoretically, in his mind, he, he'd be living with that, oh, I should have just gone, I should have, should have, should have. Yeah. And we can't live in the should haves. Yeah. But most people regret things they didn't do rather than things they did do. Mm. So, I mean, I, w- I would have taken the same position because you walk into that room with zero dollars and so you just keep punting. But now you've got, you, you've got a choice between do I walk away with 500 or do I bet 500 on me being able to answer these three questions? And that's a different analysis than I've got zero on my... Happy to bet. And the problem with these penny stocks, and that's an old school word for <laughs> startups and- Penny dreadfuls, we used to call them. Yeah. Um, they can rise as fast as what they can fall. They can. And because they trade- There's no track record. Yeah. Blah, blah. Well, like in a lot of instances, there's not a long track record. Yeah. Or yeah. So, if you were trading CSL, which is 200 and whatever dollars a share- goes up and down in one cent increments. So that's not a lot. But if you're buying something that's trading at 1.5 cents and it, it goes, goes up in point ones, um, point one on one and a half is a lot. So they tend to move in bigger relative chunks and there tends to be less volume. So an excess of buyers or sellers tends to move the price up or down very quickly. Mm. And there's less, generally less, analysts or fewer analysts looking at them. So there's more likely to be information that's not publicly well known. So just on that as an education point for those listening and we'll wrap up, 
your broker, so your Comsex, yep. your Self Wealth, your E Trades, or you know, there's they're all popping out of the mm-hmm. woodwork. The brokers talk to the ASX yep. and basically negotiate and try and find the other party to buy or sell with. In effect, that's what the market does. So you put in your buy order and say, I want to buy at whatever it is, three cents. And if someone's willing to sell at three cents, you'll get dealt. If they're not, you won't. Yeah. So the market is constantly matching buyers and sellers. And if there's more buyers than sellers, the price will tend to drift up. If there's more sellers than buyers, the price will tend to drift down until the market clears. And the problem with a lot of these smaller stocks is a lot of that information is um, not quite as well known publicly because there aren't armies of analysts at the big banks spending day in, day out pouring over their announcements and costs. Mm. So, um, yeah, and I think going back to this penny stock thing, it is within less than 10% of my total portfolio. I've got a now, because it's really, I don't own any other really direct shares, like I was I showed you one earlier that I owned, but for me, it's now, it's real money, and I don't know if my risk profile can actually handle the volatility mm. of a penny stock. Yeah, and that's that's the risk. Um, for me, um, I don't buy individual stocks anymore. Yeah, I used to do it a lot. Uh, I used to trade, and I'm and this is like over the it. first like fifteen twenty years since I bought individual stocks. So, um, so it takes a lot more work, and if you're doing it because you enjoy the thrill of trading well, maybe you should get a sports bet account instead. And, um, yeah, there is a huge difference between investing, trading, and speculating. And you've got to know which category you're in. Yeah, and I'm definitely an investor. And realistically, the the run that it's had, it's put me in the top 4% of users on self-wealth <laughs> because of the run that it's had. So I mean, the other tip when you're looking at those, if you look at the broker share of the trade, which you can get on the on the market, if the vast bulk of the trade is going through on Comsec or Self Wealth or um, any of those retail brokers, that's a red flag because it means it's not got institutional support, and that buying will disappear as fast as it came. So that's a good indicator. Yeah, if super funds are buying, if investment houses are buying or whoever managed funds. Yeah. Yeah. And and a company of that size, I don't know what its market cap is, but 10 million, 20 million maybe. It's just not – there's not enough transactions for an analyst to be bothered looking at it other than the analyst who did the float and they're incentivized to keep the price up. Mm. Um, so it's just a different game and – the trap you want to avoid is thinking, oh, I got this one right. Yeah, um, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. And that share doesn't know that you invested. So it's not behaving the way it is because you invested. You invested because you had an opportunity. It was a cash grab for me. And it paid off? Yeah. I want to buy a boat <laughs> and it paid off. Yeah. And there's not much, not much wrong with that. No. And I've bought my boat. Well, haven't bought it yet but well maybe you need to sell the balance to buy the trailer yeah but i mean 
I think it's just, it's been a good exercise for me to have a self-check that this has done really well, but it's not because Glenn James is good at picking individual stocks. Yes, you are not. He's horrendous. Yeah. yeah, there's one person on the planet who can, and he's a freak. And Although I, arguably, most of that return actually came from buying concentrated portfolio of value stocks. And if you compare it to a value portfolio, it doesn't actually look all that good. Certainly over the last decade, it's an appalling performance. What, Berkshire Hathaway? Yeah. 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 It's barely kept up with the S&P 500 for the last decade. Mm. Yeah. And this is arguably the greatest investor of all time. Well, I think he was just good at reading financials <laughs> and making a call. Yeah. But I think the, the thing, I mean, this is not taking anything away from him, but- there were two attributes there. One, he was buying concentrated portfolio of value stocks and holding them for a long time and making few very considered investments with an army of analysts yeah. and cheap capital. And he's delivered outstanding results. Mm. But that patience bit is possibly one of the most important bits. Yeah. Well, I've got some thinking to do. Because I don't know, I'm just, I'm an investor. I'm not a specky, I'm not a trader, and I don't want to go there. So, But you've now got a parcel that's effectively cost you nothing. That has, has some potential, possibly. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's sort of a, an asymmetric bet that it can go to zero, but it might go to 10 times, 20 times. It could be the next Apple, mm. but it could also be the next Enron. There you go. And it's now a free option. Exactly. So, there you go. Bit of a random chat. Hopefully, it's encouraged you with your own investing or whatever you do. Uh, I've only met, actually, I've only met one person in my life who's been a legitimate trader who's earned an income off it. So, they're out there. Oh, yeah. It, it's quite a reason. most of the time, it's not you listening. And it takes hard work. It takes it's, focus, concentration, and it's not simple. And it is a game of fine margins. That if you if you got a sixty percent hit rate, you're doing really well. And that trick is making sure that the forty or the sixty you get the forty you get wrong, lose you less than the the sixty you get right. Yeah, yeah. So and it's it's like tennis. It's about managing the errors rather than scoring the goals. Yeah, no, scoring the points. Scoring the points. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Diversified portfolios are my friend. <laughs> All right, guys. See you soon. Thanks, Vince. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.